Golly. Thanks, gang. That's super cool. How is everybody? Yeah. Uh, everybody settle in and relax. Welcome into your living room for the moment. Uh, we love birthdays. And if you ever want your birthday to be sang or sung for, sang probably the right way of saying that. I don't know. Uh, man, all you got to do is let me know, and, if, and I'll put it in here, and we'll see. We're going to do that right now. This boy, boy probably doesn't know we're about to do it. Dotson, you got a birthday tomorrow, boy. Yes, sir. Raise that hand. Come on. <laughs> yeah, look at that. We love birthdays. Yes, we do. It meant that God needed you and plucked you out of eternity for this moment. Man, I'm thankful that our paths have crossed. So let's sing. Let's. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Dotson. Happy birthday to you. Isn't that good? <laughs> All right. Then the other thing, too, man, is that um, I want to get you back up and on your feet and uh, just make sure that we hug each other's head. And as you do, do so with the reminder of the song that we just sang in those words of Jesus paid it all. And just remind each other as you look each other in the old eyeballs and to say, your debt's paid. Yours, yours is paid. Yours is paid. Amen. Just do that in, in big, boisterous way that you know how to do. So everybody up, hug ahead, and let's do this. Alright? Hug ahead. Hug ahead. Who's this young lady? I know who this young lady is. Hi, how are you? Good to see you. I do. Absolutely. It's great to see you. Good to see you. How's life been? Good enough. I know. It's fast, Oh my gosh. It's crazy fast. I can't believe it. Hi, Kayla. I'm just thinking how much has happened in a year. It's Up. And I'm going to remind us, I'm going to catch us back up from a couple of weeks of, um, you know, uh, for the past few weeks we've been, we've been hanging out with people that have said yes to Jesus first. And so we've been landing for the past few weeks here with this 
with this crazy dude named Simon Peter. I mean, he's just wide open. And so we're just getting glimpses of him and how he's been living life with, with Jesus and the other guys. And if, if you were with us a couple of weeks ago, you remember we caught them as they were coming back down the mountain after Jesus had asked Peter and John and James to go with Him up the mountain. And when they got up there, they see this incredible transfiguration that Jesus goes through. I mean, the Word says that His, that his face was shining like the sun. And that his, his clothes were just this brilliant light. And that when they were on there, he was, uh, Jesus was chatting it up with Moses and Elijah. <laughs> and so we're going, man, Elijah, can you imagine being there? And we could almost kind of tell this awkwardness of, of Peter being there. He didn't know what to do with himself. And, and so in that, he was saying, heck, let's build something. You know, let's build something to remember this moment. And there's all different, different uh, uh, views on what the building represented. doesn't matter. He was with Jesus. He's with Moses. And then this cloud overshadowed them while they were up there. And the voice of God overwhelmed them. And the voice of God said, this is My Son. Listen to Him. I am well pleased with Him. I like Him. I love Him. And when they hit their knees, when they hit their face, when they went down to the ground just overwhelmed with the presence of God, being in the presence of Jesus that's shining like the sun with Elijah and Moses, and Jesus goes over and goes, boys, it's really, it's okay. Shh, come on, come on, get up, get up. And when they did, Moses and Elijah weren't there. And for what I think was what was happening in that in a very visual way is that Jesus was saying what He had said before. I am fulfilling the writings of Moses and the prophets. And so therefore, there's no more need for Moses and Elijah to be on the scene. I complete everything that they have voiced out that God has promised. All promises... Everything is coming true through me. <laughs> That's quite the moment. And so you're feeling pretty good about yourself and you go down the, the mountain and then Jesus on the way back down is saying, hey, don't tell anybody what went on up here. And you know, we, we kind of left that night going, how in the world would they not been able to? And so we're going to hang out with Peter another night uh, for, for tonight as well. So think about all of the life that they have seen to the moment that we're going to get to tonight. They've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. They've had conversation after conversation with Jesus. He's constantly been teaching. He's constantly been correcting. He's constantly been reminding. And so the thing is, is I believe that when we, at times when we look at the disciples and we forget their humanness, I, I, I think that we forget how alike them we are. And how alike they are to us. And the fact they were just learning it. They were just learning what all this fulfillment meant. And they've been through all the rituals. They've been through all of the customs. And Jesus just keeps stripping every bit of that out from underneath them. And reminding them that He fulfills all of that. 
And yet they still didn't quite know how to operate in that because they would operate in their old of, of authority and hierarchy. I mean, they even had the conversation at one time with, uh, with Jesus. Who's the greatest? And Jesus just immediately strips that down. He said, man, that, that's the way people used to do it. We used to lord over people. Through Me, everyone is powerful. Through Me, everyone is equal. Through Me, you have the, you have the tomb, you're going to have tomb-blasting power. And they just couldn't quite understand or get it in the moment. So I believe we've got to give them a little bit of grace. Because there's time that when we're living life with each other that we don't quite get it. That we, that we sometimes forget that we are equipped with tomb-blasting power. And we'll start reverting back to our old way. Well, this scene that we're about to go to, it's, it's, it's days before the Passover. Okay? And we've talked about Passover. We'll talk about it again. We don't have the time to talk about it. But that's a big feast that they're participating in. It basically says that when you participate in a Passover meal, we're remembering how our ancestors lived and how God has delivered us. And so in this particular one, we know that Peter and John have been tapped by Jesus. So think about the groups that you've ever been in. Right? In your, at school or at work or, or wherever you live a lot of life. And your leader, your teacher, especially for kids, you know, when we're in school, who always who wanted to be the line leader? I did. I wanted to be the line leader. And Jesus says, Hey boys, I need you to go get the room set up. Passover's coming. Here's what everything's going to look like when you enter the city. Don't freak out about it. I'm telling you what's going to happen before you get there so you'll keep marching through it. But get the room set up for us. We're going to have a fabulous meal together. They had no idea in the moment that that would be the last one that they would have with Him. They didn't know what we know. So even as He's telling them, hey, you're going to see this when you go into the city, we don't really know what they were thinking, but we do know that they experienced the power of the yes because they followed through with it. And so here they are, and they go and they set the room up. And it's for the Passover meal, one of the biggest meals of the year. And so let's go to the scene here. I want to first go to John 13. This will be a scene that you have read probably if you've been hanging out in any kind of room uh, with folks that um, love this crazy man named Jesus. You will have seen this scene a ton. I want you to ask God right now. As a matter of fact, I just want to pray for us right now. Father, I pray that we see this scene with fresh hearts. Father, I pray that we would place ourselves around the table with You, not knowing what we know today, but living in the moment of not knowing. Father, that our hearts would just be wide open to what You would have for us tonight. In this, in this very moment of, of seeing how this scene unfolds. So Lord, we know that You hear us, and we thank You for hearing us. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. Okay, this is in John 13, verse 1. 
It says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that His hour had come to leave this world and return to His Father. He had loved His disciples during His ministry on earth, and now He loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given Him authority over everything and that He had come from God and would return to God. He just loved that. He knew. Verse 4, So He got up from the table, took off His robe, wrapped a towel around His waist, and poured water into a basin. Then He began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel He had around Him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? You can go so many different ways with that, right? Jesus replied, verse 7, You don't understand. You don't realize. You don't understand now what I'm doing. But someday you will. No! Peter protested. You will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash, except for the feet, to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. And we so we know who He's referring to there. But before we dissect this any further, I just I want to kind of just bring some background into the scene here. Is that in this culture, the washing of feet was very normal. Extremely normal. As a matter of fact, it would almost I liken it today to us saying, hey, go wash your hands before dinner. But it was, it was very customary that when you would walk into a home, and for the most part, for most homes, you just did that on your own. There was, there was a basin. It doesn't look like this, but I just brought it for visual. There were some of you have probably been in the older homes where you see these um, like pots that are kind of splayed out and they hold water, right? And so it would be there for you to wash your feet because they were they were cruddy feet. <laughs> they were getting very crusty. But if you were more well to do and you had had a little cash, then you had folks that did that for you. Come on in and. You'd stick them bunions out, or you'd be like with these guys out, all right, and someone would start rubbing them babies up for you. That'd feel good, wouldn't it? You hit that thing lit. But even thinking about that, you know, you go, wow, so even to try to keep up with, do we have a foot washer in our home, hon? Do we not have a foot washer in our home? You know, the, the band of walkers are coming over, and they're kind of hoity-toity. Maybe we'll just hire a foot washer for tonight. I don't know. But I know in this scene here that there's scenes before, and this is where I want to take this, where Jesus had His feet washed. Go back to Luke 7 just for a second. Luke 7, verse 44. Skip up to 36. Jesus has been invited to eat. So he and the old boys are about to hang out with some of the Pharisees. 
And so here we go. It's in Luke 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Gang, here's, a, here's, here's one part right here. How many folks' homes have you been in that you know that you vehemently disagree with? And they disagree with you. My hand's not going up. But Jesus knew these cats were totally against Him. <laughs> they invite Him in, and He says, yeah, let's go. Let's go eat. So He's in. Verse 37, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. I love this scene. Because you see, gang, they, don't, they weren't sitting at tables like we do. Most of the time when they were eating, they would be reclining around a table that was about coffee table height. So maybe about like right here, okay? And so they're reclining in. They're, they're actually laying down. And for, in some cases, maybe they were doing crisscross applesauce. But their feet were predominantly behind them. Or they were over to the side. And the setting was so relaxed that there were times that you would see where men are leaning in on men. I love how they didn't lose their manlyhood living that close life with each other. That they knew that they were in with each other. But check this out. They're in the Pharisee's home. This immoral, I got my hands up with the quote, this immoral lady comes busting in. Don't you think that maybe that there would have been someone at the door to say, hey, you're not allowed? But she bust on in anyway? She knows who's in there. She knows that Jesus, her Savior, is in there. And there's no way that she's not going to see Him. And she spills everything she has on Him. She had to do it on purpose. How many of us are carrying around... Ladies, you would be able to answer this better than I. How many of us are carrying around bottles of perfume? She found out Jesus was in that home. She goes home, gets the very most expensive thing that she can find, and she grabs it and she says, I'm anointing my man. Oh my gosh. I'm going to get the feet that I know that no one in that house has even touched. And she busts in, gang, and she gets behind Him and she's on Him. And she's so overwhelmed by the fact that she's got her Savior's feet in her hands that she is weeping. She is sobbing. And she's not wiping them off. How many of us have ever spilt something and someone got backlash for it? We had a couple of spills at our house today. <laughs> she's not wiping them off like in a hurry to get away from Him. Oh my gosh, i got to get away. She is wiping them babies in the most worshipful way of going, these feet carry tremendously great news. These feet have come to save me. To pay my debt. And so, look what happens next. Jesus doesn't flinch. He drinks every bit of that love that she has for Him in. 
He doesn't recoil back like we just read with Peter. His heart immediately connects to her in the way that He allows her to wash His feet. It's beautiful. And then the, the old boys, they go, if you knew who was washing your feet, you, you wouldn't let her have that. And I love how Jesus most of the time responds to, to that. He, he, he calls out Peter. And if I'm Peter, I'm going, heck, dude, they're the ones that said it. And he calls Peter, so maybe Peter kind of jumped a little bit and went, wait a minute, man. She's washing your feet. They're the ones that said that she's immoral. Why are you calling me out all of a sudden? And then Jesus paints this picture. And He talks about two dudes owning a bunch of money. And one owed more money than the other one. But they owed it to the same person. And so He asked him, He said, Simon, the old boy lets them both off the hook. They don't have to pay the money anymore. Which one of the old boys is more grateful? Which one loves him more? And Simon says, well, I guess the one with the bigger debt. And Jesus responds. Let's take a look. It's in 44. Luke 7.44 Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. Verse 46, You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. And what that is, is that the anointing represented this setting apart. That she was in, her, in His midst and among all of the well-to-do boys, the old Pharisees now, the ones that were setting the game, she's saying, He is who He says He is. He is the Messiah. He is the one that has come to deliver us from ourselves. He is the one where the rest of the world is going to be saved to and through. And so she's anointing Him. And in 47, Jesus says, and I tell you, her sins, and there are many. <laughs> Why would you have to throw that in, Lord? I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. And she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little, a person who owes little, a person whose debt doesn't seem that big in their heart, a person's debt who doesn't feel like they need a Savior, is small, has been forgiven. But she shows only little love. 50. And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. My gosh. Go back to 13 now. John 13. Let's go back there. Peter and John have been picked to go set the room. This scene that we just read 
happened, we, I don't know exactly the time, but it happened way before this Passover here. Way before. And so you've just been picked to go set the room for one of the biggest meals you'll ever participate in, ever. Not knowing this would be your last one, but you know it's a big deal. And attention to detail in their culture is paramount. So the washing of the feet when they got to the room for the last Passover meal would not or should not have been overlooked. And maybe, I have not, maybe upon maybe, when Peter and John were there, could Peter have recalled this scene before? And go, man, I know that Jesus had his feet washed. That's an important deal for him. But, but John, if we wash Jesus' feet, then we got to wash everybody's, not just his. And so maybe the conversation with Peter and John in the room are going, well, you know we can't bring up who's the greatest or who's the least. He's already taught us through that one. And, and quite honestly, I don't, I don't mind washing Jesus' feet. He's, he's the teacher. He's the rabbi. He's the, he's the hierarchy. He's the one that we can wash. He said, but have you seen that look in Judas' eye? I'm not, I'm not washing that cat's feet. If I wash Matthews, he's going to make me pay for it. If I wash Thomas's, he's going to doubt I've got the darn things clean anyway. I'm... And then Jesus rises up to take the place of the immoral woman. He assumes the position of the immoral. He takes the place, gang, of the lowliest of lows. They... The Pharisees, when they labeled her immoral, were saying, you're not even worthy to be in this room. Jesus rises up, <laughs> takes it, fills it up, and starts washing. And I think the question for us tonight is that who have we labeled immoral? Who who are the people in our lives that have that we've subconsciously put the immoral tag on? That if if we had a room full of folks, that even in a room tonight, that if if I went ahead and filled this up with water and said, Man, we're gonna have us a good old foot washing tonight. How many of us right there in that moment saying that would recoil back from it? And why? And here's the other piece. Have we deemed ourselves immoral? And remember, I got my hands up in the air. Whatever that looks like for you, have we deemed ourselves not worthy? That's what the boys were saying. Gang, where does our worthiness come from? Come on. Where does our worthiness come from? Come on. Where does your worthiness come from? You're getting closer. Do you believe that? Where does your worthiness come from? 
And if I'm flinch, or am I flinching? Now here's the other piece of it. There's a lot of times I watch you as you go day to day. There's a lot of people that you're living life with, and gang, they don't want their feet washed. You can't force their feet into this tub. You can't. But there's so many times we're going, dude, would you just give me that foot and get that in here? What's wrong with you? I'm going to slap you. You ain't quite acting right. They don't want their feet washed. Let them go until the time that they desire to stick their foot in your hand. Now here's the other piece. I'm going to start to close here. I'm going to fill it up. Who's going to put the feet in it? Who's going to grab this? Which one are you right now in this moment? You see, because if, if all of us are wanting to grab this, how do we teach others to receive like Jesus taught? His room full of boys how to receive. You see, I think He taught them more in that lesson with the woman than He did in this night. We bang this one home about service. We absolutely rip it with service. And I'm not disagreeing with it. But who's loving on you? Who are you allowing to see your heart in the raw, rigorous honesty of life? That where they truly know you, that when you, when you get flipped upside down, they know you're flipped upside down. Who knows you? Who's washing your feet in day to day and knowing that you are who He says you are through Jesus, through the crazy in life? Let's start getting rid of these immorals in our in our in our lives. Okay. Here's what I want us to do for for. Um, for the rest of the week. I'm not going to fill it up. I, want you to, I wanted you to feel it. Whatever that thought was that you were feeling, if it was, oh crap, I want you to go home and ask God what that was. He'll reveal it to you. If you have said yes to Him, He will reveal that to you. Can you explain what you said? Yeah, if, when I picked this up, when I picked the, the bucket and, and this up and was literally saying, I'm going to fill it up with water and we're going to have us a good old foot washing. If you were saying, oh crap, in your mind, how come? The thought that makes me say I don't want to stick my foot in there. Yes. Because of this. Yes. Yeah. Got it? Amen. All right. Start in your home. Start in your home. And see, the, the washing of feet looks different. How do you serve each one? How do you serve each other? What are things in your home, kiddos, that you can help your mom and daddy do first time? <laughs> Husbands and wives, what are the things that you can do with each other that no one wants to do? Those things that in our minds that we've deemed less than, that if I can't do that because that's less than me. I'm above that. I don't, I don't do that. Why not? <laughs> and then on the flip side, if someone comes up to you and is offering help, gang, and you keep pushing it away, keep pushing it away, keep pushing it away, you're robbing them of washing your feet and a blessing. You're robbing them of a huge blessing. Father, I thank You for this night. I thank You for You rising up and 
and showing us how to, number one, receive, and number one, how to give. Father, it's, it's both. You have paid it all, and we are thankful for that. Um, Lord, I just I love how you um, you just teach in every moment and every scene that you're in. So, Father, maybe for most of us, we're not too far from Peter when when Jesus told him that he didn't understand. I think that's okay. I, I think it's okay at times to not understand. But Father, to surround ourselves with others that will help us to understand in just those moments that we're living through. So Lord, we love You. We thank You that we get to participate in this table of communion that where You actually did this. You washed the feet before You broke the bread. And so Lord, it's in Christ's name that we all pray together. Amen.